how do most people go about finding the will of God? Some of these you'll know, some of these you've done. We throw out a fleece, just like Gideon, right? Lord, if this is what you want me to do, show me some supernatural sign. I'll give you a, a good one, kind of a funny one, but a true one. A young couple, brother and sister within the Absolute Christian Church. They thought it was God's will for them to get married. They wanted a fleece. They wanted a supernatural sign that this was God's will. So they said, Lord, give us a, a sign. Give us a supernatural sign that, that it's your will for us to get married. They happened to be eating. They cut open the watermelon. It broke open, and the inside of the watermelon was shaped like a heart. It's God's will for us to get married. Let me tell you the end of the story. They broke off their engagement because they realized it wasn't God's will. Flip coins. Lord, if it's your will, flip a coin. Heads, it's your will. Tails. How about the best two out of three? And that doesn't, how about the best three out of five? It was five out of seven. Until, well, God's will somehow matches what I was hoping it was going to be. Feelings. You know what? It just feels right. This must be God's will because it feels right. I'm just going to go fishing. I'll just look anywhere and everywhere. I'm just going to cast out the line, and whatever I pull in, that must be God's will. Fasting. Lord, I'm going to give up this so that you can give me this. I'm going to give up this so that you can show me what your will is. Again, fasting in and of itself is a good thing. But when it's used to try to twist God's arm into revealing his will to you, it's wrong. Defaulting. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to worry about finding out the will of God. I'm just going to sit here and I'll trust that God's will is going to happen. I'll just, whatever happens, happens. Dipping. It's a wonderful tradition within the Apostolic Christian Church. Take the word of God. Lord, show me what your will is. Open it up. I point to a verse and that's what the will of God is. Delegating. I don't know what to do. What do you think God's will is for me? You know, what, what do you think I should do? And I'm going to go poll 10 people to find out what they think God's will is for my life. Dreaming. I need a, I need a vision, Lord. I need, I need a voice to come from heaven that says, Thou shalt do this. And I think probably with many of you, just sit on your duff and just procrastinate. Eventually, you'll come around to God's will. Sliding. It's going to take the path of least resistance. That must be the will of God. Or maybe I'm just going to, I'm sure there's some of you in here, I'm just going to think it through. I'm a logical thinker. It's got to make sense to me. God's will must make sense, and I'm going to keep thinking it through until something makes sense, and that must be God's will. Many times in our quest for trying to find God's guidance and what he wants for our lives, we become our own worst enemies. If we take the game of chess, if I want to know, I'm a chess dummy. If I want to know what the best move is to make in a chess game, what do I need to do? I need to study the rule book. I need to go to Coles or to wherever it is, to Barnes and Nobles, to chapters, and I'm going to find chess for dummies. And I'm going to study this book. And I'm going to memorize all the rules and the plays and the tips and the techniques. And as I'm doing this, I'm going to make sure I practice. And as I've, after I've done this a little bit, because it's only so much you can practice by yourself, I'm going to begin to contact some other people. 
that are what I would call chess masters or experts in chess. And I'm going to talk with them. And I'm going to practice with them. And I'm going to play against them. I'm going to probably lose. But in the process, I'm going to learn a little bit more. And then I need to find a mentor. Out of all these chess masters that I know, I want to find a mentor so that I can study under him and he can teach me what to do. And I'm going to continue to practice. And obviously the key, you can see, is practice, practice, practice. Because if you don't practice it, you're never going to become good at it. Now what if we take that analogy and apply it in a spiritual sense to our lives? If I want to find out what the best move is to make in my life as a Christian or as someone that wants to become a Christian, what do I do? Following the same analogy, I need to study the rule book. And that rule book is pretty simple. It's the Bible. I need to memorize it. I need to meditate upon it. And I need to obey it. Because memorization and studying it without obeying it does me no good. And then as I'm doing this, I'm also going to begin to converse with spiritually mature, growing Christians to gather some godly counsel on how to study the Word of God and how to live my life as a Christian. And I'm going to continue to obey what I learn and what God tells me. At the same time, I need to also develop and walk with a mentor, and that being the Holy Spirit. Because the best mentor from within our circles, or outside of our circles. The best mentor that may be out there, the best Bible teacher you can think of, is still not as good as the ultimate mentor being the Holy Spirit. And I continue to obey. We can't expect that God is going to reveal his light, his will, to us if we are not obeying his will for us today. The classic example of this that I think of is, is Jonah. God told Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach. Jonah didn't want to. He said, no, I'm not going there. I'm heading the other way. He gets on a ship and he heads off. Now let's say that the the storm didn't come up, there was no whale, and he gets to the other side of where he wanted to go. He steps on shore, he kneels down, Lord, what's your will for me here? What do you want me to do? You think God's going to say, well, uh, let me see. Okay, why don't you go and preach to that city over there instead? No, he already revealed his will to Jonah in the first place. Go to Nineveh and preach. That will doesn't change. If, we're, if Jonah's not doing that will, God's not, not going to reveal another will to him. He reveals his will for you today. If you're not doing it today, he's not going to reveal his will for tomorrow. So what is God's will? What does the rule book say? For many of you here, there's only one will. And that's God's will that you be saved. Until then, there is no other will for you. You know, I, I, I laugh, my, and those of you who heard this in Kitchener, my brother-in-law is unconverted. And he was dating a young lady, also from our church over in Hungary. He lives in Germany, she lives in Hungary. And they were, trying, they were praying about it, trying to discern, is it God's will that they get married? And I told my wife, I said, that makes no sense. How can God tell you what his will is for your marriage when you haven't even followed his will to be saved? 
And so we talked to him about that. Because they were struggling. They were fasting. They were doing all kinds of things. Crying out because God wasn't revealing his will whether they should get married or not. Duh! You're not following the will today. How's he going to tell you for tomorrow? 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men, some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Here's the key. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And 1 Timothy 2.3 says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have every man to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's his will. Obviously, it's not being accomplished in everybody's life because men are not willing to do that. His will is also that our lives and our minds be transformed. All of us probably can quote Romans 12, 1 and 2, but in there it talks about that we are not being conformed to this world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's God's will, is that as we we are saved, our lives are going to be transformed. That's his will. Another one that probably that many of you are going to struggle with or are struggling with, God's will is that you will be sexually pure. That's his will. 1 Timothy 3.7, one of the few instances in the entire Bible where God says, this is what my will is, explicitly and clearly. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, your purification, your holiness, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence or not longing for, desiring, or lusting for that which is forbidden. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. That's the will of God. There is no other if you're in a relationship and wondering, should I take this to the next level? Don't go to God and pray about it. Because it's not the will of God. It's a rhetorical question to go to God and say, Lord, is it your will that I should move my relationship with this female or male, depending on who you are, to the next level? He's not going to give you an answer because his answer is no. He told you that 2,000 years ago. And it's not changed today. That is God's will. And further than that, it's not just that we remain physically sexually pure, but that we remain mentally sexually pure. All of us, again, probably know the the reference, and it was quoted, I think, already this week in one of the sermons from Matthew 5, where he that thinketh upon a woman and lusteth after her in his heart has committed adultery already with her. So God's will is that we remain sexually pure, physically and mentally. Again, going back to some of our traditions that we have, that's why one of our traditions is not dating. Because it doesn't put you into a situation that you will destroy your mental sexual purity as well as your physical sexual purity until after you have committed to following the will of God and he has directed the two together. God's will is that we be filled with and controlled with his Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 talks about that we would walk circumspectly or we would walk diligently, we would walk perfectly before God, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time, and that we would not be drunk with wine wherein is excess but be filled with the Spirit. And he says, but be understanding what the will of the Lord is. 
God's will is that we live in submission to God-given authority. Sometimes God's will is that we go through difficult circumstances and situations, even suffering to accomplish his purpose. God's will is for us to enjoy eternal life. And God wants us to know his will. For sake of time, I'll fly through this stuff. The Bible is the revealed will of God. There's nothing more to the revealed will of God than the Bible. So we need to fill our heart, our mind, everything with that word of God. Oh, wrong way, sorry. And the will of God is wrapped up in who we are, our character. Not necessarily in doing certain things, but who we are. Because that's how he makes us to be lights. By who we are, not by a set of rules and standards that we follow. And God uses the daily small choices in life to cumulatively build us into who and what he wants or what he wills us to be. And when we choose to obey what he has revealed in his word already to us, then all the specifics, all the details, all the questions fall in place. Again, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. If we do what God has clearly told us to do today, he will, in his own time and way, make sure that we do not miss what he has planned for us, that being his will. How can I know God's will for specifics? We talk now about all the general components of, of going to the word of God and finding out what the general will of God is. But what about the specifics? What about what school should I go to? Where should I live? What kind of career should I follow? All the other questions, specific questions now that we would have. The first principle is we need to go to the Lord first. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So how do we acknowledge him? We do it by demonstrating trust. We trust in the Lord. We practice submission to him. We don't lean on our own thinking and our own thoughts and our own ways. We continually pray and we seek to live in obedience to what he reveals unto us day by day. We do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. We can know the will of God if we are following it today to what he has already revealed. So we go to the Lord first. Then what do we do? We want to understand his principles. We want to understand what are the principles that are found in the word of God that are already there that will apply to us and that could apply to us. We need to understand, what does the Bible clearly say, which we already talked about, how its principles can apply to all situations. Even though it may not say, thou shalt or thou shalt not, there are principles that can be found in the Word of God for every situation we have. But we have to be careful not to misuse the Word of God. Going back to one of our methods earlier that we talked about, about dipping, right? You know, I'm going to dip into the Word of God, and he's going to tell me what I need to do. Young man, in his early life, wants to know what the word of, will of God is, and he's seeking about it, and he's praying about it, and he says, what should I do, Lord? You know, how can, I, how can I follow this will? And he opens up the word of God, and in the word of God, he points to a verse, and he says, oh, Judas went and hanged himself. Whoa, that's pretty scary. Those are the word of God. Lord, I'm obviously, obviously wrong. I picked the wrong verse. Give me your will again. Opens up the word of God and dips again. He points to a verse reads it, go and do likewise. Okay, there's something wrong there. Close the book. And he earnestly prays this time. Well, he's, Lord, what do you want me to do? Reveal to me. 
opens the word of God, points to the verse again. What thou doest, do quickly. Okay, you're obviously not, he's not obviously not understanding the will of God. He's not understanding the principles that are found in the word of God. He's not understanding who God is. And in many ways, he's misusing the word of God. The Bible is full of clear directions, full of clear, very clear commands that offer us direction. The more we know of his word, the more quickly we will understand what God wants us to do. So we've gone to the Lord. We understand his principles. Then we look at what are our options. We don't just take whatever the first thing is that comes along and says, okay, this must be the will of God. It's the first thing that showed up. Um, some brothers have had the faith in the past. <laughs> Lord, whoever the first sister is that walks in the door, that's the one you want me to marry. The one that walks in, and I, <laughs> you know, I was talking with Brother Bob Friend just a couple days ago, and that, ex- that exact same thing happened, um, or very similar anyhow, um, in the sense that he had written to a brother across the sea, an elder brother, and said, I'm looking for a wife. Can you pl- please choose one for me? And so the brother wrote back and says, I have one for you. She's coming across on this ship at this time on this day. He arrived at the, at the dock with another brother. They were there waiting for this sister to come off. And they're all falling off, filing off the gangplank. And he's wondering, well, which sister? Oh, that one's nice. Oh, that one's nice. Not knowing if they were from our church or not. Just that lady's nice. That, maybe that's the one. And as most of the, the passengers were off the ship, there was one lady that was there waiting on the rail of the ship. And he leaned over to the other brother and said, wow, is she ever homely looking? That was the sister that was chosen for him. And every day since then, he has regretted his comment because she has been the most wonderful wife that he could have ever asked for, that God provided. But at the same time, that was based upon his faith in God. But many people don't have that faith. They just, just going to, well, whatever happens. Lord, just have one walk in the door, and that's the one, because I can't choose. But we need to investigate our options. Our first impressions don't always give us the accurate picture. What are the consequences? What are the physical, emotional, spiritual consequences? If I choose a sister from this family, is that family grounded in the Word of God? Are they solid? Do they support the, the Word of God? Do they support the church? All these different questions that come up. What are the consequences of any choice that we would make? Will this glorify God and help me grow spiritually? God give us a mind. He expects us to use it. If I go to live over here and we don't have a church there, there isn't a sister church there, there isn't a Doris Lovatz church there that I, can fall, that I can go to, why would I move there to put myself into a situation that will very likely be a hindrance to me spiritually? We are joined, or or when joined, with a dependence on what God can do for us and the the direction he can give us. Our reasoning ability can be used, and it can be a very helpful guide to choose between the different alternatives. Going back to our earlier analogy with chess and, and also with the spiritual life, to discuss it with others, with godly counsel. Proverbs says, in the multitude of counselors there is safety. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. We need to seek spiritually mature godly counselors who use the Bible to help us make decisions. 
Don't go to somebody and ask for their opinion and ask for their godly counsel, and when they give it to you, they don't use the word of God. Don't regard that counsel. Go to somebody that's going to use the word of God to help you discern what the will of God is. And asking your friends and peers don't count. Rehoboam, one of Solomon's sons, did exactly that. He went to his father's counselors after his father died and said, what should I do? Should I go against this army? Should I do this? What is the will of God in this situation? He thought he's going to delegate to others. So they came back to him and said, no, the will of God is not this. You shouldn't go. You should stay here. Send the, uh, an, uh, an ambassadors to make peace. Ah, I don't like that answer. So he called a bunch of his buddies over. Hey, what do you guys think I should do? They said, oh, yeah, let's go to war for sure. Look, we've got a huge army. We're the strongest nation in, in the known world right now. Let's go. We're going to conquer them too. Oh, these guys, they're my buddies. They're not going to lie to me. They're not going to tell me bad advice. They must be good. So he went into war, ultimately decimated the army because he didn't heed the right advice. Don't go to your friends and your peers for advice on what the will of God is. Go to godly, spiritually mature counselors that can use the word of God. Be open to different perspectives. Have your thoughts checked. Have your, your, be open to being corrected. Don't think that, oh, I found out what the will of God is and I'm just going to plow ahead. Go to someone else and say, does this sound right? Does this sound like I've got the word, will of God right in my life? There's little good to ask for advice if your mind is already made up. Remember Naaman? Goes to Elisha. I need healing. Elisha tells him what the will of God is. Go to River Jordan, dip seven times, and you're going to be clean. Ah, that's a dumb idea. Why can't I go to the river in my own country? It's nice and clean, the River Nile, and I'll just go and do that. Thankfully, he was open to being corrected by his servant. and said, what's the harm in following the will of God? Don't be a spiritual lone ranger and think that you can figure it out all on your own and that you're going to just go into it even without your buddy Tonto at your side. And then there are situations in which we can exercise our freedoms. He does give us the freedom to use our own heads in making decisions. Especially when it comes to, well, what color shoes should I buy? What shirt should I wear? What? There's certain things that we just have freedoms to do. But don't major in the minors. You know, wow, should I buy this car or that car? Unless, of course, it's, should I buy this Viper or should I buy this Dodge Neon? When I don't have the money for a Dodge Viper unless I go into huge debt to get it. Well, maybe that's not God's will. And obviously, this avenue should not be taken by itself. Don't start with exercising your freedoms to figure out what the will of God is. You start with the other principles, and you work your way to this. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So basically, these are the five principles that will guide you to discerning the will of God for your life. You go to the Lord first. You understand his principles as found in his word. You investigate what the options are, what the consequences to each alternative is. You discuss it with godly, mature counselors. And then you exercise your freedom. If there isn't a clear will, that's, that's being delineated. Maybe God's saying, any of these five are, could possibly be my will. Here's some notes of caution, though. Don't rely on only one source. Always seek to confirm or to validate what God has revealed to you. 
to ensure that it's not somehow be Satan coming, like we talked about on Monday's lesson, as an angel of light, just and trying to convince you otherwise. Always consult the Bible in prayer. God's will can be revealed in the circumstances of life. We get cancer, different things like that that come up. We get in an accident, whatever the case may be. These can be God's will, and it can, God's will can be revealed through this. However, realize that Satan can also manipulate this. Open doors don't always mean go. Open doors can also lead to elevator shafts that are only going to drive you right down because it's an open, yeah, it's an open door. I'm going to walk through, and there's nothing, no floor there, and you just go, boom, right down. So don't think that all of a sudden the door is open, and now this must be the way to go. Satan can also open doors for us. Difficulties, pains, hurt, and suffering doesn't mean that you're outside the will of God. Some people think that if, if things aren't going my way and, and, and all these things are bad are happening to me, this must not be the will of God. But yet that's never seen in the word of God. And don't depend on feelings of peace. Some people use this as the ultimate, oh, this must be the will of God because I have peace about the situation. The best example that comes to my mind with that is Abraham. Abraham, God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to go kill your son. I just can't see Abraham kneeling down. Lord, I have such peace about this. Thank you. No, I'm sorry. There's the, the, that wasn't there. Abraham didn't have peace about it. But what he did, like we talked about at the beginning, he obeyed. Don't depend on feelings of peace to say, this is the will of God for my life. Because there's no correlation to that in the, found in the word of God. Paul, I want you to go here. Jonah, I want you to go here. Peter, I want you to go do this. Look at any of the examples in the Bible. Do you think they... When they, God told him that, oh, I have such peace about this. I'm going to go because it must be the will of God. God said, do it, and they did it. Keep an open mind as to how God will answer your requests. Don't expect them to answer it a certain way. And that's why fleecing can be such a bad way to do it. Because you're saying, God, I want you to reveal it this way. And don't forget, the book of Gideon, or the example of Gideon, was not, Lord, I'm going to throw out this fleece, and then you're going to tell me what your will is. No, God said, this is what I want you to go do. I want you to go fight against and lead the people of Israel to fight against the enemy. Then, after the will of God was revealed, then to confirm or to validate that this was the will of God, Gideon laid out the fleece. That was only to confirm what the revealed will of God was. If you are following biblical commands, if you are following what God's will is for you today, God will always confirm and validate his will to you in his time and in his way. Lastly is the last slide, and I'll just throw them all up now. Just some questions to ask yourself. The next time you're in a situation you want to know, is it God's will? Ask yourself the following question. Am I obeying God's clearly revealed will today? Did I go to the Lord first for help? Or did I think about what I wanted to do first and what I thought was a good idea, and then went to him to confirm if that was okay for me to do? Is what I'm asking for considering doing something the Bible forbids? Because if it is, don't go to God asking if it's his will. The answer is no. It'll always be no. Are there biblical commands or principles that apply to my specific situation? Have I considered all the possible alternatives and consequences to each option? What option or decision will glorify God? Will this build me up spiritually? Will it edify others? 
Have I sought out godly, wise advisors? Have I carefully evaluated the advice that was given to me, even by godly, wise elders? Has God confirmed or validated his will to me? And am I determined to follow and obey the will of God, whatever the direction he shows me? Sorry I didn't let you out early. I had to fly through it as fast as possible. Um, thank the Lord and you, and enjoy Teen Choir.